we are doing something here at Heights. If you're new here, uh, what we're doing is something a little bit different. We go through the Bible every five years period of time. And so how we do that is we have daily readings. You can get our daily readings that we read together as a congregation Monday through Saturday. And you can go to the information desk and get a schedule of those daily readings for the entire year. So if you get it now, it'll take you all the way through December and we'll have one out for next year as we're reading them. We also have a YouTube channel that we go through those daily readings and do a little devotional with them. It's about 10 minutes long every day. Um, and you can go to that. Our YouTube channel is real simple. It's youtube.com backslash Heights Christian Church. You can subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and that way you get a, that devotional that we make for you guys every single day we have one, okay? And what we do is we read six days a week together, and then our sermon on Sunday is based in whole or in part on those passages of Scripture. So that's how we kind of keep you up and keep us going through the Word of God this whole time. And right now we're in the book of Deuteronomy. And we read this past week, Deuteronomy 13 through 18. How many of you read this past week? Raise your hand. Sweet. We're kind of everywhere. I mean, when you look at this passage, there's not, outside of the fact that this is the law, there's not a lot of connective tissue between, you know, chapters 13 and chapters 18. We we talk about... um, uh, the idea of worshiping other gods. We talk about foods that are clean and unclean. We talk about tithes. We talk about canceling debt and the poor among them. Uh, talk about freeing servants. We talk about the, the Israelite year where it talks about the Passover and the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, we talk about the, uh, the, the law and the future kings that would come into Israel, which wouldn't happen for another 400 years. And then we talk about some of the rules for the offerings for the priests and Levites. And then we talk about prophets that were going to succeed Moses. Ultimately, that ultimate prophet would be Jesus. That's the synopsis of these six chapters of Scripture. And like I said, not a whole lot of connective tissue with them. So we're going to hone in on one section of it today. So today's sermon is titled, Constantly Choosing to Follow God. Constantly choosing to follow God. I became a Christian in March of 1992, right after Easter. Um, It was actually, I believe, the Easter sermon that year that was called Whosoever. For those of you who have King James Bibles, it was based on John 3.16 in the King James Version, because that's where you use the word whosoever. You won't find it in NIV, or you won't find it in uh, the New American Standard Bible, or the ESV. But the Old English would use that word whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's, that's the verse, and John 3.16 was basically this idea of you could take that word, whosoever, out and put your name in it, and you would get the fuller understanding of what Jesus has done for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if Jeremy would believe in him, he would not perish but have everlasting life. That simple message stayed in my mind all day long. I'd been going to church at the time probably about four months. And during that four-month period of time, 
I had heard a number of messages about Jesus and was becoming more and more convicted of my sin and, and the things that I needed to be right with God and beginning to realize that Jesus had taken that for me on the cross. And so all that day, I pondered that message. And that night, as I was traveling home down a country road, I I could tell you exactly where I was when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Because I had thought about that sermon all day. I didn't walk to the front that day and give my life to Christ. I, I drove home and I realized that Jesus had died for me. And on my way home, in front of a church I would later attend, ironically, at a stop sign, I gave my life to Christ. On that final turn going over to my grandmother's house, which, which is where I lived at the time. I wish I could tell you that's the only time I've had to choose Christ in my life. But that was the beginning of a relationship with Jesus that would have me choose Jesus again and again and again and again and again. See, I believe 100% that the thing we're going to be talking about today in, in some form or fashion is that of the perseverance of the saints, Because I believe 100% at that day and that time, that moment that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, my destiny changed from that of death to life. My destiny changed from eternally separated from God at that moment in time had I died to eternally being in his presence. However, there has been this soft sell, this this peddling, if you will, of the gospel that has an easy believism to it. That says all you have to do is come down forward at the end of a service. And of course, we have elders who are here who are going to pray for you at the end of the service. We want you to come and do that. David, David talked to you guys and implored you guys, come up here all the more for every little thing. I agree 100% with that. But many in our seeker-sensitive churches who have desperately wanted to see many people come to the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, have offered invitation without follow-up. The invitation of coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but not realizing that the choosing of Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's something we do again and again and again and again. That the destiny truly is changed for the person who has accepted Jesus Christ, but the person who has accepted Jesus Christ will continue to choose him again and again and again and again. And the ones who didn't really accept Jesus won't. Just the truth. And it bears itself out in Scripture. As a matter of fact, it's exactly the passage that we're going to be looking at today in Deuteronomy 13. We're going to break this down because there are warnings for the people of Israel concerning following God and what can trip them up along the way. And they're the exact same warnings that we as Christians are given by Jesus himself concerning our walk with Jesus Christ. Singular message in both the Old Testament and in the New. Singular God whom we're serving, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need to take heed concerning these things because the things that can trip us up they can surprise us so if you will turn with me to deuteronomy chapter 13 if you'll notice i'm using an actual paper bible today for those of you who've been here before i've been using my phone for so long. we're going to see how this goes and see if this you know works better or worse today we're going to see 
Deuteronomy chapter 13. We're going to read uh, the entire chapter as, as this time goes on, but we're going to read the first five verses right now. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods, gods you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he preached rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. He has tried to turn you from the way the Lord your God commanded you to follow. You must purge the evil from among you. Now, there's some interesting things in this, these first five verses. And this is where we're going to camp out for most of the sermon today. Okay? There's a lot of interesting things in these first five verses. Did you notice that it talks about if a prophet or dreamer comes to you, And his prophecy or his dream comes true. Did you guys notice that? That, That's a very interesting statement right there. That the prophecy or the dream comes true. This isn't somebody whose dream didn't come true. And a lot of times I think that as believers in Christ, we have a false assumption that other people who may be following other religions don't have true prophecy, don't have true dreams or signs that actually happen. But the truth of the matter is, as we're reading the scripture right now, God says, number one, yeah, it does happen. Number two, that doesn't mean you follow him. As a matter of fact, Anybody who tries to turn you away to follow other gods, even if they're a prophet who has prophecies who are coming true, even if they're a dreamer and their dreams come to pass, God is now testing the people of Israel to find out if they truly love him or are they going to follow this guy who has signs and wonders on his side. That's a very interesting test, don't you guys think? As a matter of fact, this passage of scripture that we read this week begins and ends with the idea of prophecy. If we'll go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, and we're going to read verse 14 through the end of the chapter. It says this, the nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery and divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked the day of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him into account. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. 
You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken, that prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And so here we get a little bit more context concerning prophecy. Concerning the prophet that would come after. And again, this is Moses saying that there will be prophets who come after. We have an Old Testament filled with prophets who came after Moses speaking the words of God that God had proclaimed to them for the people. That ultimate form of this prophet is Jesus as he is a type. This is a type of Christ coming forth who will be speaking the very words of God. For the spirit of prophecy is found in Christ. But notice what it said about the false prophet. It said a couple of things. Number one, if what he says doesn't come true, don't pay attention to him. That's the first thing. But if he says what he says does come true, but he speaks in the name of other gods, you must what? You got to put him to death. Doesn't matter if it came true or not. See, one of the things that you're going to notice is that obedience to the commands of God is more important than prophecy. Obedience to the commands of God is more important than prophecy. It's more important than signs and wonders and dreams. We live in a very experiential culture. We go certain places and we want to feel certain things that we can feel close to God. And God is saying, I am testing you through these things to know that I want you to follow me. Look what it says at the end of verse 3 and through verse 4 in chapter 13 as we go back. It says, the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. It is the Lord your God you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him, serve him, and hold fast to him. Do you notice, this is after the false prophet who said, let's go serve other gods. His dreams have come true. His prophecy has come true. If he tells you that God is testing you to find out if you love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and you do so by obeying him in spite of the fact that this prophecy came true. That these dreams came true. You know, we're heading up to Halloween right now, right? And Halloween has become a very occultish type of atmosphere. And the occult is growing in our nation, whether you know it or not. Witchcraft has doubled in its population among those who are participating in it. Tarot cards and crystal ball readings and going out and seeing psychics. And we definitely live in New Mexico. All these things can be found right here. And I can tell you right now, 100% right now, I will not say that the things that they have said have not come true. Because God's word is very clear that some of those things actually do happen. And it's a temptation for each one of us to abandon the God who has shown himself to be real As we talked about a couple weeks ago in the sermon titled, The Apologetic God, I really encourage you guys, if you weren't here, check that one out. We live with a God who has shown himself real in reality. That's what grounds us and causes us to follow him in obedience. 
And God calls us that despite the sensationalism of other gods and other other powers that may be out there that can proclaim future types of things, whether they be real or not, that you and I are not supposed to be swayed from them, but we should be serving the Lord all the more if we see them. We show our love through our obedience. That pretty much mirrors the words of Jesus, doesn't it? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. He who loves me will obey my commands, and me and my Father will make our home in him. If you do not love me, you will not obey my commands. These words I speak are not my own, they're of the Father. Think about that. These are the words of Jesus. They mirror what we're seeing right here, talking about love and obedience being intrinsically tied together. You can't take them apart. It's not that we're saved by our obedience. We're not. We're saved by grace through Jesus Christ on the cross and his sacrifice for our sins that we couldn't do for ourselves. But our love is born out in obedience. And we see that both in the Old Testament and in the New. We see that, that Jesus has these same warnings for these false prophets. So look in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be through a lot of scripture today. Starting in verse 15, familiar words for you and me. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, and by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Do you notice the proclamation of those false teachers who are self-deluded, who think that they might be following Jesus? What do they fall back on? They fall back on the prophecies, the signs, the wonders, the healings, the demons casting out. Didn't we do all of these things in your name? And they're going to get that word, I never knew you, never knew you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who what? Do the will of my Father who's in heaven. Obey the commands that have been given to you. Deuteronomy 13 comes really back into play, isn't it? I I want to test you by showing your love to me that despite you see all these wonderful things that are over there, you're still going to follow me and not those things. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about the end of the age and at the signs of the end of the age. And he says there's going to be great distress like there's never been distress before in all the world. And had these days not been cut short, nobody would survive. That's how terrible this time is going to be. But if we look at verses 22 through 25, these words, this warning of Jesus. He says if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those who know Christ, those days will be shortened. 
At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. What did Jesus say? There's going to be false prophets and false teachers. And they're going to perform signs and miracles and wonders that are going to deceive lots of people. Paul expounds on this in First Thessalonians, or excuse me, Second Thessalonians, chapter two, when he talks about the man of lawlessness coming. And he says this, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. First of all, do you notice that? They're already getting this in the early church. In the early church, they're already receiving some sort of prophecy saying the day of the Lord has already come. And this letter is written in response to that to let them know. No, no, this is not true. And so he expounds on this. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that's called God or his worship so that he sets himself in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I, when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Do you you see how the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is going to come? He's going to come with all types of counterfeit signs and wonders and miracles. All these that are going to mesmerize the people. And what is the effect of that? God sends them. God uses us to send them a powerful delusion that they might be deceived because they have not loved the truth. So they will choose the lie because they've already chosen the lie. And it's just easier to follow somebody with signs and wonders. It's easier to follow somebody who's just this amazing teacher. It's easy to follow somebody who, man, we're just around. We just feel the presence of God all the time. I, I say this sincerely because I had somebody a long time ago give me a compliment. They meant it as a compliment. So I want to I just share. They meant this as a compliment. They're like, what are you doing here? You can have a thousand people in this room with you because of the way that you speak. But a good orator is not what I was called to be. I was called to be a pastor. 
has called me faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and draw all people to him, not to me. See, that, that's what me and when Mark was here, we would always say to you and continue to say to you, you're supposed to compare all things back with the word of God. Even the teaching that I give you today, you go back to the word of God and that you say the amen to it because you know the word of God well enough to be able to say he is speaking truth and that's something I can follow because that truth doesn't come from me, it comes from him. Otherwise, we get mesmerized by somebody who can, who can speak really goodish. Right? I like that person. He's so, he's so amazing because he's, he's up there and he can speak. And I wish I could do that. And we forget God is calling you and I not to being mesmerized or being a great orator or any of those things. There's nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But we compare all things back to the word of God. We compare all things to the faithfulness of the word of God. The reason why we do that is because we can be too easily sucked into these false teachings by these signs, these wonders, these prophecies, and not comparing it back to scripture. And they start leading us away from what the word of God actually says. You can go back to Islam, and you can look at Muhammad, or you can look at Joseph Smith, or you can look at the people who started the whole Watchtower Society. You can look at all the cults that are out there, and all these false religions, and you look at their leaders, and how they got to where they are. And this is why Jesus says, you're going to know them by their fruits, and their fruits are oftentimes really, really bad. They don't line up with the Word of God, and oftentimes what they're doing is they're telling you to change what the Word of God says. I've got a new, different, better revelation than before the god of the old testament would say to the people of israel put that person to death the god of the new testament would say avoid those people at all cost same god by the way but the people of israel were under the authority of god to create a society based upon god being law in the land therefore that's why you had that punishment placed upon people who were not going to put God at the forefront of their lives. As Christians, we don't have a country to call our own. We're a people displaced until Jesus comes back home. That's why it's important that you guys know the word of God. It's why we go through the word of God. It's why we encourage you guys to follow, not people. I, I love faithful people, I really do. When I find faithful people, I encourage people to read them, but I have to watch out for them because so much has changed. And people who were faithful 20 years ago are not faithful anymore. I find that in the music industry, and I find that among so many pastors. And it's important for you guys to understand that's why you need to know the word to compare the things that I say up on this pulpit or anybody, whether they be elders or pastors or guest speakers, it doesn't matter who they are. They're up here and they are coming to share the word of God. It is your responsibility to know the word of God so that you can say the amen to it or not listen to them at all if they are not following the word. That includes my teaching. And it's the greatest gift that anybody could give to be able to say, hey, you shared a message up there that's not found in the Bible. Show me. It's the greatest thing you could ever do for me. I mean that sincerely. I really do. 
not above correction. I want to show myself faithful. I want you to be able to say that amen, not because I'm a good preacher, but because I'm faithful to the word of God. And I bring you back to following his decrees, the righteousness of God. First John chapter 2 continues on this theme. Starting in verse 18 through the end of the chapter, it says this. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? It's the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son also has the Father. See what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. And so John is writing to another congregation, and guess what? People trying to lead people astray. They came out from us. They were within our midst. We broke bread with them. We had fellowship with them. And now they're teaching things that are not right according to the word of God. And they're trying to lead you astray. This is why there has to be a constant accountability, not just among the pastor, but every leader who's teaching in any area. If you have a teaching ministry within the church, you got to be looked over. You got to be seen as faithful in every area. Doesn't matter if you're teaching children's church or youth ministry, young adults, life group. It is a responsibility to make sure that we are sharing the word of God accurately with somebody else. And consistently doing that. And what that means is that you and I, as believers in Christ, in these fellowships together, when we are down and we're being encouraged through our studies, need to be saying, is that what the word of God really says? Not because we don't want to trust them, but because we don't want to be led astray. We should know the word of God so well that when false teaching comes our way, we kind of like, wait, that's off. I may not know what that false teaching is, but I know that that's not what the scriptures say. I know that that's not what it says about who Jesus is. I know that that's not what it says concerning how we're supposed to be as Christians. We are supposed to be walking in obedience with Christ. See, we need to be doing that in so many areas. But you know what happens over time? People get status. We don't recognize it, but it's true. They get status. This person is such a great teacher. 
This person is so good. I've, I've been in this person's life group in forever. And we begin to trust the person rather than the word of God. We begin to trust the prophet or the teacher or the person who has done so many great things for me that we have made a distinction whether we realize it or not and put them on a pedestal that doesn't offer any accountability even unto God. And it's a place that all of us need to be aware of that we don't do for anybody. Going back to the word, going back to the word, going back to the word. Because we can be easily led astray. I mean, think about it. YouTube channels, we are more connected with more people, with more followers in more areas than ever before. It is a bigger danger today than it ever has been. It really is. It's a huge thing. How many of us follow people on YouTube or on social media accounts? I do. How many of us are enamored with people's teaching so much that we never take a critical eye to it when they might actually not be right about it? Because they've, they've built up that trust for us for so long that they begin to tug on us in directions that may not necessarily be biblical. And it's why it's so important that we regard first and foremost God and his word. This is why we tell you to be in his word. This is your only protection against those false teachers who would come out and try and deceive you and draw you astray and pull you away is to get you back and saying, but this is what the word of God actually says. So we need to be very aware that first area, spent a whole lot of time on it today, but it's important because guess what? More so now than ever, we're dealing with all of those things. The internet has made all the different religions more available to us, all the different prophecies that are out there. People say, well, these prophecies came true. As a Christian, I can say, so? What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. The Bible says that other religions might have false prophets that have prophecies that come true. My God has proven himself in history. I'll follow him. It's where I stand. It's where you should stand too. But false teachers are not the only danger for the people of Israel nor for us. So these next two we're going to go through a little bit quicker. Okay, a lot quicker. Deuteronomy 13, 6 through 11. If your very own brother or your son or daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your fathers have known, gods the people around you, gods of the people around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other, do not yield to him or listen to him, show him no pity. Do not spare or shield him. You must certainly put him to death. Your hand must be the first in putting him to death and then the hands of all the people. Stone him to death because he tried to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then all Israel will hear and be afraid and no one among you will do such an evil thing again. This is strong stuff. The second 
people that God warns that could take them away from serving him are those of their own households. That your son, your daughter, the wife whom you love, your best friend. If they're enticing you to go serve other gods, compared to God, your love for them ought to be... You can quote me on that too. It's the truth. And he says, and you are to be the first one to grab a stone at their stoning. You know why? You have to purge the evil because he tried to draw you away. This is a matter of eternal life and eternal death. Do you guys realize that? We would look at that and say, that's such a punitive thing. Do you realize what they're talking about? They're talking about, we're bringing you out of Egypt. I'm the God who has saved you, who has this future promise that's going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That if you believe in me, you're believing in Jesus. And these people are going to take you away from that. And you think death is too harsh a penalty. You got to purge that evil from among you. You know why? Because we're talking eternal life, eternal death. Now, obviously, we don't do that today. Nobody's going to be stoned after service today. We're not encouraging you to do that. Again, remember, this is the people of Israel. God was their king. God was the one who was leading them. And this was the society he had created and the laws along the way that the people of Israel were to follow. We do not have that. We're under grace through Jesus Christ. But make no mistake. Those same dangers that were for the people of Israel exist for us as well. Jesus warned us about it. Matthew chapter 10. See, if I had my phone, I would have already been there. All right, so Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men, this is Jesus' words, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father. A daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he is a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And if anyone gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. And what does Jesus say? Jesus said there's a dividing line. That comes between serving Christ and even your family. Believing in Jesus and this war that we have. How many of you have unbelieving people in your household? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you know that tension that Jesus talks about? And make no mistake, as it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are enemies. Nobody say it. Treat them like an enemy, shackle them up, put them outside. Nobody's saying that. 
but they're enemies for the gospel. And when it comes to this idea of you loving them more than you loving Jesus, don't tell me that that doesn't happen. We're dealing with that on a great level today. Biggest cause for people accepting the perverted lifestyle that exists out there in the LGBTQ community right now is a family member who is living in that lifestyle. Believers in Christ saying, well, I can change what Jesus said concerning sexuality because I have a son, I have a daughter, I have an ex-husband or an ex-wife, I have somebody close to me who is in that lifestyle, and as a result, I'd rather be good with them than good with Jesus. And so we see people being led astray, changing their obedience to Christ's commands, making concessions, all because of close family members and friends. And Jesus lets you know they're enemies, enemies from the gospel of God. We want them to become people who are on our side by knowing Jesus Christ, not through denial. And so the end of this section of scripture says, look, if you're doing stuff for other believers because they're my disciple, you're not going to lose your reward. Jesus is making a distinction between an earthly family and a spiritual family and saying the spiritual family is more valuable to the believer because we believe the same things and we are serving the same God. And this is where our energies ought to be put, is toward the believers in Christ. Not that we can't help those who are not believers. But we start first and foremost within the body. The third stumbling block, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 23. Deuteronomy 13, we'll finish the chapter. If you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, that wicked men have arisen among you and have led the people of their town astray, saying, let us go worship other gods, gods you have not known, then you must inquire and probe and investigate it thoroughly. And if it's true and it's been proved that this detestable thing has been done among you, you must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town. Destroy it completely, both its people and its livestock. Gather all the plunder of the town in the middle of the public square and completely burn the town and all of its plunder as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. It is to remain a ruin forever, never to be rebuilt. None of those condemned things shall be found in your hands, so that the Lord will turn from his fierce anger. He will show you mercy, have compassion on you, and increase your numbers as he promised on oath to your forefathers. Because you obey the Lord your God, keeping all his commands that I'm giving you today, and doing what is right in his eyes. And so the third thing is the culture. What if the culture turns totally evil? The people of Israel were told if a town turns totally evil, totally against God, you are to go to war with that town, destroy that town, kill all of its inhabitants, burn it all as a burnt offering. You shouldn't take a thing from it. Because you're going to obey the Lord while they're not. Again, we don't do this in our society today. Nobody start burning down anything in Albuquerque. At the same time, the culture draws us away. All of us, every single one of us, myself included, have been compromised by a culture that wants us to compromise on our faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verses previous to what we had just read, 
says this, and starting in verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Three great stumbling blocks for you and me. One are the leaders that we're following. If we're not comparing them to the word of God, blindly walking through whatever it is that they say to say and do, if they're not pointing back to God and his commands and being faithful toward those things and are telling you to do things that are absolutely opposite those commands, you could be very easily led astray. We should be looking at our leaders carefully. We should be making sure that we don't make an idol out of our family members. It wasn't my words, it was Jesus' words who says, anybody who loves father or mother, son or daughter, more than me is not worthy of me. There's some in our own household, guys, that we have compromised for because we want to be a testimony. We started allowing compromise in our lives. And Jesus calls that loving them more than loving him. Not my words, they're his. And then there's a culture around us. Man, all of us want acceptance. Every single one of us. But we should want to be accepted by God more than anybody else. And so the television shows we watch, the musics that we listen to, the words that go in our heads make a difference. They do. They have the power to draw us nearer to God or further away, bring compromise into our lives, and we should be very careful concerning the culture around us. Like I said, we got more opportunities to be around more things than ever before. And in all these things, we see the same answer. Those who do the will of God show that they love God with all their heart and with all their soul. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. He who doesn't love me does not obey my commands. He who does the will of God lives forever. See this repeated, whether we're looking in Old Testament or New Testament, that Jesus, that the Father, thinks obedience is better than signs and wonders because he's shown himself to be true, the one true God who has sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and mine, to show his power raising him from the dead and show that he's forever to be praised and adored. Hallelujah. Amen. And because of that, I follow him no matter what the world says no matter what my family says, and no matter what those false charlatans who can show all types of signs and wonders that have been completed have said, I need no other proof. And neither do you. Would you stand? Are you looking for signs and wonders and experiences?
Or has God proven himself to you and you're just looking to obey? That's the difference between being deluded and being someone who loves Jesus with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not my words, his. My prayer for you is that you can love this Jesus. And if you don't know this Jesus, we'd sure love to share about him. Then ask elders to come up front. And if there's anything you guys need prayer for, anything at all, we encourage you 100%. Please come up front and pray. God bless you. Thank you for this time that we've had. Let's give it to God. Lord, thank you so much for our time together today. Help us to love you and show our love for you through our obedience to you, to knowing your word, comparing all things to your word, not being settled by signs and wonders and prophecies that may or may not come true. Good teachers who can speak eloquently, family members who just want us to love them how they are, not how you call them to be. Culture around us that is totally ungodly and beckons us to join in their debauchery. God, help us to show our love for you through our obedience to you. And if there's any today who have been disobedient in any area, today is a day where that grace of Jesus Christ can be found right here in this place. New beginning. The old is gone, the new has come. We urge you and pray, dear Heavenly Father, that you would draw them here. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.